In the month of January, we've been uh, in a series called Why? It's, it's the most important question that you have to ask yourselves. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do? It's, it's amazing to think that we live our lives not asking this question, and we just live it. And the whole point of this series was to take a moment to pause before we really launch off all of our life groups and our ministries and ask questions like, why do we believe? Why do we serve? Why do we meet? And today, we're going to ask the question, why do we grow? Why do we grow? Um, imagine you went to school for 13 years of your life, and at the end of 13 years, oh, by the way, just thank you to all the teachers who are taking all of our kids this week. Every parent is saying thank you, including myself. Imagine you went to school for 13 years, right? And by the end of it, you knew where everything was. You knew where all the classrooms were. You knew who the teachers were. You knew who the staff were. You knew your timetable. You knew where you had to be at what time. But at the end of 13 years, you didn't learn how to read. Or after 13 years, you didn't learn how to count. Would that be acceptable? Imagine you went to the gym. I imagine that because it's a, it's a very non-realistic scenario for me. Imagine you went to the gym every day. Once again, I don't understand this scenario. I'm just making this up. Imagine you went to the gym every day and you had a personal trainer and you're paying this personal trainer every day for a whole year. But by the end of the year, 365 days, you have not changed. You have not lost weight. Your muscles have not gone bigger. Your cardio is still poor. Would that be acceptable? Would you accept that? Let me go one more example. Imagine you went to church every week, 52 times in a year. And at the end of the year, your understanding of God has not changed. Your relationship with God has not changed, has not grown. Your maturity spiritually is still the same. You have not grown. You have not changed a bit. Let me ask the question. Would that be acceptable? Is that acceptable for you? If you went to a school and you learned nothing, you would change schools because it's unacceptable. If you had a personal trainer for a year and you went to the gym every day and nothing changed, you would change gyms or personal and or personal trainers. Why? Because it's unacceptable. It's ridiculous to think that you would spend so much time, energy, effort, investment into these areas and there's no change and there's no difference, right? No one would accept that. And yet, when it comes to our spirituality, when it comes to our faith, suddenly it's like, yo, I need my own time. Don't rush me. 
Don't tell me what to do. It doesn't make sense. Why is it that some areas are acceptable and some are not? It's not consistent. And this is the reality check that we need to hear this morning. It is not okay. It is not okay to be, to call yourself a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, that's a different story. Right? Because the motivation is different. But if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, someone that is following his ways, and 52 times a year you go to church and nothing changes, it's not acceptable. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. You've been coming to church, you know, and I'm talking 52 weeks in one year. Some of us have been coming to church for years. Some of us have been going to church for decades. And yet, we still don't know how to pray. We still don't know how to read the Bible. And nothing in our lives has actually changed. The problem isn't the fact that you haven't changed or grown, but it's the fact that it doesn't bother you. That's the problem. If you were paying good money to a gym and nothing changed, you would care. You would care about that money that you're flushing down the toilet that you donate to Fitness First. You would care if you were spending money to send your kid to school and they weren't learning anything. You would care. You would be upset about that. You would be intentionally making decisions around that. And yet when it comes to our faith, it's like, mm, not a big deal. Mm. It's a problem. It's a, it's a problem of perspective. Why is growth so important? Because God's desire for us is to grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. This is a natural process. It's the way that God has intended. I look at my children. It's been a while since my whole family came to church, right? The problem is when you have lots of kids is one gets sick and then a week later the other one gets sick and they just take turns. Finally, everyone's fine. So we all came to church today, right? And I look at my kids, right? I've got a nine-month-old. I've got a three-year-old. I've got an eight-year-old. I've got an 11-year-old. I've got a 14-year-old, right? And each of them, I watch each of them grow because that's what's meant to happen. That's the natural progression of life. They eat, they move, they learn, and naturally they grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy faith grows. Now, the Bible speaks about spiritual growth over and over again. I just want to show you some passages and what it says about this, because you might be like, well, Steve, you can tell me all you want, but and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I, I'll just tell you what God wants. And then it's up to you and God. Right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted the, that the Lord is good. Now, Peter, the, the author of Peter, shows us that there's this thing called spiritual babies. 
right? A spiritual baby is someone that is new to the faith, right? And what do babies need? They need milk. They don't need burgers, right? You try to feed my kid a burger, like I'm not going to feed my nine-month-old kid a steak and chips, right? They need milk. And in the same way, there are people within our community that are new to the faith, they're spiritual babies, they need spiritual milk. Why? So that they can grow. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's not just the fact that we have spiritual babies, but spiritual babies need to grow. No longer infants, Paul writes. No longer children that can be swayed by the winds. No longer children that are distracted. My three-year-old is a great example of this. He can, he can go into the biggest meltdown, right? He, he can just he'll go crazy, right, over whatever, right? And suddenly you pull up a lollipop and he's like, Aah! he just changes, right? Now, imagine I try to do that to my wife. She's like going crazy. Not that she goes crazy. She's, she's, uh, she's in the back watching the kids today, so she can't even watch the live stream at the moment. So all good. And I go, lolly? She's like, huh? As if, right? She'll take that lolly, smash it in my face, and then just keep going, right? Not to say that my wife is violent. She's not. I just need to put the disclaimers in there, right? It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. This is the idea of growing up. See, spiritual children, as Scripture says, can be swayed by misinformation, by cults, right? They can be distracted by things of the Word. But as we grow up, as we mature in our faith, we know, we start to realize, oh, wait a minute. Maybe that Nigerian prince really doesn't want to give me $2.5 million and so I shouldn't give him my bank account details. You know, we, we learn these things as we grow up. Spiritual maturity. Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of Faith in God. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. Can I tell you, if you've been going to the church for a while, right? And this is a good one. Turn to Ezekiel. Is that in the uh, Old Testament or New Testament, right? You know what's interesting? Some of us are so smart, we can remember 
the home phone number that we grew up with, 9874-6426. Right? I can remember my grandma's phone number, 9750-41. She still lives there. Don't call. Right? But you know what's interesting? People are going to church for 30 years. Where is Jonah? Is Jonah the whale guy? You know? Some of us have not been able to move on from what the Scripture tells us as elementary teachings about Christ. Your level of biblical knowledge is the same as the kids, right? And that's okay when you're a kid. That's okay when you're spiritually young. That's okay when you start off. But if you're telling me you've been going to church for 20 years and every answer in the Bible is still God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, love, and the church, it's like you haven't grown up. An example of this is sometimes I have to pray in Korean. Now my, my Korean is, uh, my parents are Korean, but I'm not really that Korean. And I grew up and, and my parents would make me pray in Korean. And my Korean hasn't advanced. Honestly, my Korean is probably the same level as I was when I was about six years old. And so once in a while, I'll have to go and, I, and, and, and you know, I get pulled into like some, some Korean church or whatever and they go, oh, pastor. Can you pray for us? And I'm like, no. They're going to find out. They're going to find out my Korean sucks. And the problem is, I don't know any other prayer in Korean but the one that I learned when I was six. And it sounds like this. Dear God, thank you for the beautiful weather. And it doesn't matter if there's a thunderstorm outside. It doesn't matter if there's like torrential rain. I cannot say any other prayer in Korean. But God, thank you for the beautiful weather. It is so sad. And my wife knows this. So every time we pray in Korean, she's just waiting for me to say it. And she's like, beautiful weather, hey? Oh, it's so sad. But can I tell you? That's because my Korean stopped. That's my excuse. What's yours? What's yours? You've been praying the same prayer since you were 6'2". You've been praying for the same little things since you were 5 in primary school. Your prayers haven't increased. That's like if you're talking to someone and you're like talking as if you're a 5-year-old. How will I? I got an owie. You know, you're like 30-something years old. You scrape your leg and you're like, I got an owie. I got an owie. People are like, dude, he needs help. Right? Something's not right with that. But you know what? That's what your prayers sound like. That's what some of your biblical knowledge sounds like. It's funny until it's not funny. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 to 12. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. The, the idea that, look, you can be a child... 
That's fine. Children are allowed to be children, but there's got to be a day that you grow up. There's got to be a day that you choose to mature. You know what the difference between children and adults are? A child needs an adult. A child needs an adult. Whether it's for physical needs, whether it's for safety and security, children need adults to feel full and whole. But you know what makes an adult different? Adults don't need children. To be an adult means that you don't need a child. You don't need someone to affirm you. You don't need someone to feed you. You've got to hear the distinction in this. And you've got to start asking yourself, where would I be? Am I a spiritual child? Or am I a spiritual adult? Last one, 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Why I share this passage with you is this, to show you that there is a progression of maturity. And with the progression of maturity comes new skills, new characteristics that we learn. My son's turning 15 this year. Next year, he turns 16. You know what that means? I've got to teach him how to drive. That's not going to happen. Mel, my wife, is going to teach him how to drive. It is a new thing. As a part of him growing up, it's a new skill. And that's what our faith is also reflecting. That as you grow spiritually, you will grow new skills, new things in your life. Here's the thing about spiritual growth, any kind of growth. It doesn't happen overnight. There's no such thing as immediate growth. Nobody wakes up suddenly with the body of their dreams. Unless you're Captain America, but that's a movie, okay? Nobody wakes up, no one goes to this, you know, no one goes to school on their first day and goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to sit this HSC. And then bang. It takes time, effort, intentionality, but it takes a desire to grow. It takes a desire to grow. Uh, for about four years ago, in the, in the life of our church, we're, we're nine years coming up this year. So about four years ago, we had done about five years of church. And I looked at our church, and as I was praying for our church, you know, we, we were a good church. You know, we were a nice church. You know, we were a friendly church. People come to our church, man, your church is so friendly. They're so welcoming. You know, they're so embracing and accepting. Great. All these great things. But you know what? One thing that I realized we were not, we were not a growing church. It was like going to the gym and you know everyone who's there. You know the trainers. You know all the other people. You come. You just hang out. You know where the equipment is. You come. You just, you know... 
but people weren't growing. It's like going to the gym. People aren't getting healthier. And we realize that it's because we didn't have, we weren't intentional about helping people to grow. Firstly, we weren't intentional about letting people, hey guys, as a Christian, you have to grow. Maturity is a part of our faith. But we also realized as a church, we had not set up the church to help people to grow. We were like, literally, it's like, come to the gym and hang out without actually saying, hey, this machine does legs, this machine does arms, this machine, you know. And we realized that ah, we, the big piece that we're missing in our church is actually helping people grow. So we made some big changes at the year five mark. And uh, we, we hired Pastor May, and, and she worked on this thing called spiritual pathways, which was to help everyone, regardless of where people were on the journey of faith, to help them understand who they were, where they were, and move forward. How do you move forward? It was like going to the gym and going, here, this is your personal plan. You have a gut. Let's get rid of the gut by doing X, Y, Z. You have skinny arms. Sorry, Andy, I didn't mean to look at you. I just... I don't know why I look that way. Sorry, man. You know, like, let's get you on these machines. You know, like, you are going to die from cardiovascular disease. You need to run more. You know, like, there's a specific plan. And so we put together what we call a spiritual pathways, and, and we even put together a manual that exists for anyone that would like to grow, that would be intentional in growing. And it's like uh, having a personal coach and a specific plan for each person. So let me show you this diagram. Right? I don't know if you can see it online, you probably see it better, right? Stages of spiritual life and key strategies, right? Let me just show you what we believe is the life cycle, right? The, the non-believer, we introduce them to Jesus and model the Christian life. That's what we do for non-believers. That's all we can do, right? We can just share about our faith, right? And then you're born again. Remember, spiritually, like it talks about being born again, literally, Right? And then you have infant stage, child stage, young adult stage, adult stage, and parent stage. And at each of these stages, things are different. You get to do different things. You need different things. Your desires are different. But the whole point is that wherever you are, it has a clear pathway to show you how you are meant to grow moving forward. Right? You know, in our church, we've got non-believers. And you know what? I love that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we love the fact that you're here. Even if you don't believe in God, we love the fact that you're here. It's a little confusing why you're here, but that's okay. We're all confused. Right? We've got spiritual babies who need spiritual milk. We've got spiritual toddlers that we need to help learn and teach them how to walk. We've got spiritual teenagers that are going through their rebellious stage, not turning to service on time. You know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to look at anyone. But you know if you didn't come to church at 10.30, you are going through spiritual puberty. Right? And you know what? The way you deal with an infant and the way you deal with a, a, a teenager is completely different, Right? 
So from the church, we, we, we need to give different things. We need to help different people. You know what? We got spiritual add-ons. And once again, the definition, right? An adult doesn't need anyone else to feed them. Infant, child, even teenager, if the adult doesn't feed them, then they don't eat. But an adult, right, they can work it out themselves. They can feed themselves spiritually, and that's what, that's how you know you're a spiritual adult. But not only adults, they become spiritual parents. To actually intentionally start to help other people grow and feed other people. See, that's the stages. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us online is on that is on that journey. And the key thing is this, right? It doesn't matter where you are. Like, I'm not going to go up to my, like, three-year-old son and go, why are you only three? Like, Dude, I'm three. You know? And, and, and for a three-year-old, I'm like, why can't you vacuum the house? Why can't you drive the car? Like, it's ridiculous. Right? We have to understand where people are so that we can help them where they're at. And that's the whole point of us understanding where we're at. You need to know and you need to have a level head about where you are on this continuum, on this journey, so that from the church perspective and from people around you, we can help you there. Now, from a church perspective, and, and this is where I introduced the two classes that we're doing, right? Every single one of us, God wants us to grow. Right? And there are different ways and methods that the church helps people grow. Now, there are two things that I want to introduce you to you um, that we have in our church that we're starting. Number one is the gospel class. The gospel class is a four-week class that is the most important class in our church. One of the big things that we realized was people were coming and going from our church and they, they, they were not being taught what the gospel is. Right? The gospel is the foundation of our faith. It's what we believe. Now, the gospel class is not there to, to convince you to believe it. That's up to you. That's individual choice. The gospel class is there to make sure you know exactly what it is that you're either going to believe or you're going to reject. So when people come to our church, our highest priority our highest priority is to share with them what the gospel is. Now, we would love for them to accept it, but that's on them. The gospel class is slow. If, if you've been going to church for a while, you're going to be like, man, we could have done this class in like 40 minutes. But we take four weeks to do it. Why? We want to make sure, especially for those that have questions, we want to make sure that it is a time and space where you can actually ask these questions. One of the problems about church is there's too much assumed knowledge. We just assume people know who God is. We just assume people know what the Ten Commandments are. We just assume that people would know what it is, but the, that's ridiculous. It's like, you know, someone going to kindy, and it's like, we just assume that you know what you know, trigonometry is. It's ridiculous. So we take four weeks to slow down and let people ask questions about what the gospel is. And there's amazing discussions. And, and we try to help people uh, clarify the questions that they have about what the gospel is. And at the end, we ask. 
Is this, is this something that you would like? Is this something that you would like to believe? And some people say yes, and some people say no, and that's fine. But at least we have done everything to explain very, very specifically what the gospel is. So if people reject it, at least they know what they're rejecting. This class is so important that it is compulsory. This is, the, this is like the only mandatory class that we have. If you want to be a member at our church, you have to do this class. If you want to get baptized in our church, you have to do this class. Why? Because we want to make sure that when you say gospel and when I say gospel, we're talking about the same thing. So that's the first step. Secondly, and what's exciting is there's a second, there's a new class that we're starting and it's called first, what's it, what do we call it? First steps? Is that what we called it? First steps, right? I'm not running this class, right? This class, we found out that people were going through gospel class and they were like, great, we love it. Want to be a Christian? Great. Let's get baptized. Great. Then what? Throw them in a life group. Put them, you know, get them serving in ministry. And we realized that there wasn't enough support in these early stages, in these what we will call the baby and infant stages of faith, and we need to help people understand what it actually means to be a Christian. Well, how do you actually live as a Christian? What are the changes in my life that are actually meant to come about? Fantastic. It's like first day of school. They go to school. It's like these are the rules, right? These are the bathrooms. You know, this is the canteen. You know, this is lunchtime. This is schedule, right? Baby steps. And so for the first time, we're, we're, we're starting this new class. And this class, number one, you have to have done the gospel class, okay? You cannot just jump to first steps, okay, without doing the gospel class. If you've not done the gospel class, we encourage you to do the gospel class. It's going to start second week of February, four weeks, Sunday straight after church, right? We've tried to make it as easy as possible. And then... But if you've done that class and if you're in a place where you're like, I want to know more about the basics, I want to learn, you know, I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing, how to live my life in this as a, as a Christian, this is a seven-week class. It's a pretty big commitment. It's a seven-week class that's going to go through the practical elements of Christianity, topics like how to pray, why do we pray, how to read the Bible, what is worship. And this is open for anyone who's completed the gospel class. But here's the thing, you don't have to be a Christian to do this class. You don't have to be a member to do this class. You just have to have done the gospel class. If you're just like, I'm just curious, I, I just want to know more, that's fine. But you have to have done the gospel class. As time goes on, you know, we're still a young church. As time goes on, we're going to continue to develop bits and pieces to be able to help you. But you know what we realized? We realized, not we realized, we've been taught after a certain period of time, how you help people grow and mature is not keep feeding them. They need to learn how to feed themselves. And once they know how to feed themselves, they actually grow by feeding other people. So maybe there are some of you that you've been at church for a while and you're like, look, I don't, I don't need these classes you know, like, I need ministry. You know, I need solid stakes, you know. And you know what, for some of you, you need to go to Bible college. 
And, and we have people that are at Bible college, and they're not going just because they want to be a pastor or a missionary, but they're going because the level of depth of, of insight that they need is something deeper and media, and that's fine. It's not for everyone, but for some people. For some people, you need to join leadership. You need to start to exercise some of the things in, in, in higher and harder places. And that's what we're providing at church. This is how you grow. Now, let me finish with four thoughts around growth. Number one, it's a journey and it's not a destination. Meaning that growth is ongoing. Spiritual growth is ongoing. doesn't matter what stage of life you're at. There's always things to learn. There's always things to grow. There's always more maturity that can be attained. Nobody is at the top of the mountain. I think if you get to that place where you're like, I don't, I, I don't need church and I don't need classes and I don't need to serve because I've attained it all, uh, that's just arrogance. That's just pride. We're all on a journey. And number two is it's an individual journey. It's your journey. Don't compare your journey with anyone else's journey because your journey is unique. Your story is unique. Don't compare with others because either you'll get proud because you think your journey is better or you're ahead of the journey or you'll get depressed because you're like, man, everyone else is better than me or everyone else is growing more and everyone else is so further down and I'm not. We've got to learn and accept that each person's journey is their own. So don't compare. You're you. That's the beauty. God's got you on your journey. Uh, number three, it's not linear, meaning that growth, spiritual growth, it's not a straight line. Anyone that's been a Christian for a while, you will know this. It's seasonal. It's seasonal. You go through big ups, you go through big downs, you go through big ups, you go through big downs. And hopefully slowly as you do that, it is moving forward, but it's seasonal. You know, sometimes you go through seasons of Massive growth. Sometimes you go through seasons where the growth is so slow. It's like watching grass grow. You just need to understand that there's seasons in your life and you need to understand what season you're in. And you need to keep moving forward. And finally, it's not easy. Growth is not easy. Anyone that goes to the gym will know this. Or anyone that would like to go to the gym and has not gone to the gym knows this, right? It's like exercising and being healthy. It, there are times, I wrote, there are times it's not easy. Reality is most of the time it's not easy. Spiritual growth is the same. There are times where for you to grow, you need to learn a word like sacrifice. There are times where for you to grow, you need to learn the word surrender. You need to learn the words love each other. There are moments in your life where you will feel God is with you, literally. He is right next to you and His presence is so thick. It's like, God, you're here. You're right here with me. And there are times you're going to be like, God, hello, where are you? I'm here. I'm waiting. 
There are times where God will feel so absent. But friends, you've got to know this. Growth can happen in the flourishing times of your life. But growth can also happen in the valley moments of your life. And ironically, sometimes it's the seasons of growth that are the greatest when life is the toughest. When life is hard, that's actually when you grow the most. Why is growth important? Because one, God desires for you to grow. He doesn't want you to be stuck from where you are. He doesn't want you to be stuck just drinking spiritual milk for the rest of your life. Why but? Why is it important for us to grow? And it's not the destination, right? It's as we grow. Do you know what the biggest thing that happens as we grow in our spiritual faith is we get to learn more about who God is and we get to understand more deeply who God is. We get to appreciate that. You know, like when you're a kid, right? It's hard to appreciate what your parents do for you, you know? But it's only as you get older and maybe one day you become an adult and you get married, you have kids, then you start to realize, man, you know what my parents did for me? I, the day I became a dad was the, the, one of the most phenomenal days of my life. But one of the greatest insights that came from that moment was a greater gratitude and appreciation for my own parents. It's like, man, being a parent's hard. And then I think, wow, my parents, I don't know how they did this. How did they migrate? How did they come, you know, not even learning, you know, not even knowing the language? How did they even do this? And you start to appreciate it. And do you know what happens when you start to appreciate and, 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 and you start to understand your, your, your parents more? Your relationship grows deeper. And that's what happens with God. When you start to know more about God, it's not just about understanding more about God, but the, the relationship that you have with God deepens. And do you know what happens when your relationship with God deepens? You get to enjoy Him more. You get to enjoy who God is. It's not about God, what can I get from you? It's about God, who are you? You're amazing. We start to appreciate what He's really done for us. Friends, there is more to our faith than coming to church on a Sunday. There is more to our faith than coming and giving and serving these little bits and pieces, friends. There is more. God desires more from you. I encourage you. If you want to grow, you've got to desire it. We can help you. That's why we're here. That's why the church exists. We can help you. We can sit down. We can go through those diagrams. We can go through the manual. Once we start life groups, one of the things that we're going to do earlier in our life group, there's actually a survey that we did many years ago. 
And it's to, to look at certain areas of our faith where we're strong, where we're weak, and we start to work out some of where we think we are and helps us work out where we are. It's like doing a bit of a health check. If you need, join the class. If you need, come and speak to one of the pastors. That's our job. We're here. We're like the personal trainers. We're here to help you to grow from where you are to where God wants you to be. But here's the thing. you got to want it. you got to want it. Even if you think it's the right thing, if you don't want it, then nothing will happen. It's like me saying, I want to be healthy, right? I can go to the gym. I can spend four hours at the gym, but if I really don't want to be healthy, then I'm just going to stand around and talk with people. Have nice, long, hot showers at the gym. You know, like, but what a waste of time. There is more. God wants more. God can give you more. But it goes back to your choice because he can't force it upon you. But there is more. I pray 2022 would be the year of growth. I pray, I pray 2022, but at the end of this year, you'd be able to look back and go, wow, look how far I've come. Look how much I've changed. Look how different I am. And it's not about how far. It's just the fact that you moved and you let God change you. And God leads you and guide you in your life. I pray that this year would be a year of growth. Amen. Let's pray.